Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Shani, soul traveler and spiritual practitioner who founded Healing Elements after her spiritual awakening in 2016. She had a shared death-like experience with her father and even saw his light body leave his soul, which we're going to talk about today. Shani, thank you so much for being my guest and welcome. Oh, thank you so much. I really humbly appreciate what you do, and I'm really grateful to be here. All right. I guess we should either start on the day that it happened or maybe the day before when you had a lucid dream about his passing. It's actually, he had a, what's called terminal lucidity that I witnessed, um, which means something that perhaps the person could not any longer do, move in his case. And, um, you know, he was paralyzed, a hemiplegic. Uh, we witnessed something that the doctor witnessed as well and said, you know, pretty much that it is impossible or what I consider to be, a, you know, a divine miracle and something that is closely tied into, you know, the great beyond. So, yes, the day uh, before we'll start there, he had a stroke in 2005. And so for seven years, he was, you know, um, disabled, but, you know, still apart, very healthy, et cetera. And so in 2011, on my birthday, it was March 14th. And he went in for just a upper respiratory infection. And we were told that day that he actually would pass very soon, like within a couple of weeks, because he had, um, you know, late uh, stage lung cancer. And so he went into hospice right away. And so on the 26th, he actually passed and the 25th would be the day in which, um, again, he for seven years could not, I mean, even with extensive occupational and physical therapy, he was hemiplegic, meaning he was uh, paralyzed. If you draw a line straight down your body on one side. And so he was not able to transfer. That means, you know, getting up and into a wheelchair on his own um, and all that. He definitely also had um, brain damage due to it, like apraxia and aphasia, which affects the way you can communicate. And so he could not speak or write or anything like that. And so, you know, it was pretty dramatic when he was in, in hospice. You know, it was um, at the time I wasn't, you know, meditating. I wasn't really involved in any kind of regular church or spiritual, you know, practice or anything like that. And so, you know, I had a lot of anxiety and throughout the week leading up to it from my birthday to the 25th, I just had gone through the motions as somebody would that perhaps is not really tied into spirit believes. Of course, I've always believed in the afterlife and all that, but very shocked, very traumatized. We're all best friends. I'm an only child, my mom and I. And so this was very very, very shocking because it was announced to us right away. And so on the 25th, he, uh, you know, was being joined by, he had, he's a large family, but they're from the South. And so uh, he has seven siblings. 
and most of which came out. And so he had, he's only the only boy. So he had his sisters, my aunts around his bedside and me and him are just very, very close. We've always been really tied into each other as far as emotionally being able to read each other. Tough guy. He's wonderful. Played the guitar and a hippie. But um, so I was always not by force, but just naturally right by his face and holding his hand, you know, and this was the 25th. And so of course um, it was getting to be his final hours, you know, the next day, the 26th. And so if you've ever been with somebody, he was incredibly comatose, not in a coma, but comatose going through the last stages. And so he was even more weak than he normally would with the, you know, hemiplegia and all that. And so we're all around the bedside, me by, you know, his side. And there was one chair, ironically, that was empty. And so not only did he, and the doctor came in and it was kind of cool that the doctor, which rarely when you're in hospice, they know what's going on. And so they rarely come in themselves um, just to, I guess, get pain management, taking care of things like that. So it was really neat that the doctor had walked in, just all divinely worked out. And my father sat straight up, which he could not, he has not been able to do in the previous seven years. He sat straight up with his eyes so alert. It looked like I was seeing him as a little girl when he was like 30. I mean, he sat straight up with no help. He then, and I have the chills every time I think of it or tell it, he lifted the arm the whole arm that was paralyzed for seven years, neurologically, the doctor said it was impossible after when we talked, he lifted his arm just so fast and strong and pointed at the only place in the room, the empty chair, that there was nobody there. And instantly that is when the, what I call a near shared death experience started to occurring, uh, occurring because I had a definite direct telepathic connection right away, almost energetically in his voice it's it's hard to describe how I channel now or what it was but it is a definite intuitive energetic voice signal sent from one person to me and so when he sat up abruptly and pointed at the empty chair he instantly looked at me he knew probably I was the only one he has a lot of you know kind of couldn't handle it they were crying in the corners and things his aunts I mean my aunts his sisters and my mom it was really tough for her so he looked right at me and just with big eyes, I felt the telepathic message come through. There's my mom. And so that is, of course, you know, not something that could be proved. The doctor can prove that it was, you know, neurologically supposedly impossible or pretty tremendously amazing. Um, but that experience was, of course, just something I can verify. But uh, that is what really started off a um, whole series of divine, you know, at the time unexplained. Now I understand what it is. You know, it is gifts I think we all have. And it just, you know, went from there. The next day was pretty amazing when he was passing. I just felt a, a calm come over me uh, before he actually passed. I was able to sing a song that I've now memorized and know, but at the time I had not heard maybe once or twice, if you want to say subconsciously, like in a store and you hear it, but it was country. I love country, but my dad was that kind of fan. I'm more into like pop and rap and old rock and roll. So I would not have known this song. That was pretty amazing. It's, um, if you get there before I do. And so it, if you look at it by Colin Ray, it, it has significance to the experience that I was going through. And so I felt that interesting. And then I verified, of course, after the death and all the trauma, my mom said he did like that. He loved that song. And so it was just intriguing. There's about, you know, so much more that I could say into that. But I also, my dad was not a believer. He was one of those very rebellious, like people who was just, you know, I'm an atheist, this kind of thing. He wasn't spiritually into anything. And so um, I was given the choice to do what I wanted. And so my grandma introduced me a little bit to the Christian church. However, I had not at that point 
read anything biblical. And so I just truly at the moment of his actual passing, I started, which I verified, you know, I looked at the Bible after I started reciting these beautiful, you know, um, Bible verses that I had not known, um, you know, just, it was absolutely divine. And I think that it's just something that um, got larger and bigger with other things attached to what I could do after that point. And the most amazing thing, of course, in just something comforting to me and beautiful um, was the moment after, you know, a lot of people say the same thing. I agree. It's as if they are not there anymore. I saw him, the essence of him, his soul, whatever words you want to interchange, right when he um, took his last breath, it's kind of like this gasp. Um, I saw what would be considered like not a mist, not it's opaque. And I wanted to, it's a very strange comparison, but I wanted to know if you've seen the movie Predator, like the 80s movie, and he has this camouflage. It's like almost see-through, but digital a little bit like rainbow. And it's lighter shade than that, if that makes sense. But I saw that a silhouette of a person, not too much uh, definition with arms and legs, but my dad and I could feel it. I could feel him rise and he shot straight up from his body, his core. It wasn't the crown of his head. A lot of people say the crown, but it was the core here. And it shot up almost like as if you're um, jumping on a trampoline and you're springing upward. So, you know, that's what just completely um, blew my mind. Uh, all of that combined, especially fascinated still to this day with how much uh, something like that can change the way that you grieve or just give you confidence, the terminal lucidity, the way that I saw something that was definitely something my father had tried to do. He had tried with physical therapy, occupational therapy, you know, so I do not believe that that was anything to do with the brain. You know, I think that it was something to do with consciousness and, and his ability to, he was passing, he was one foot in the other realm. And, and, you know, like they say, someone, his mom, I believe in my heart and soul came to, to take him to the other side. So that's, that's the shared death experience story. Well, thank you for sharing the experience. And it was amazing. Yes. After he passed and you saw his spirit leave, did that change you in any way? It did, but I had a sort of delay. I went back into my ego mindset or human condition, and it took me a while because of the things that started rapidly occurring. For instance, two nights after that, I had a dream that was a very random dream, but it was just about you know my husband's uncle and him in the living room and um, then I experienced that exactly. And it was happening to me repetitively, other experiences, psychic phenomena, where I'd say to somebody in the grocery store, like mediumship, um, you know, I'm wondering if you know someone named Joanne and then I'd help them. And so for whatever reason, and I know now it is fear-based, I was pushing it away. And so what I did is, and I speak on this on my YouTube channel, I'm very open now. It takes me, you know, a work in progress to get my heart out, but I suppressed it with going to, um, you know, my doctor and telling them, oh, what was me? I need something, medication. So, you know, I got addicted to Xanax. It's like a Valium type um, biodiazepine, or I think that's what it is. But it's very, very, in my opinion, great for, you know, a short burst maybe for somebody. But I think for me, who um, was going through my own journey and grieving and also experiencing phenomena that I knew existed, but just came on so strong, a spiritual acceleration of sorts, that I was fearful and also grieving and also working full-time as a substitute and so commuting also like two and a half hours there and back and so I feel like all of this made me make the you know irresponsible decision to cope in an unhealthy way and so 
I would drink, you know, I got, um, never had drank in my life, maybe once a year or something, got into drinking the wine too. So I would come home from work thinking that it's prestigious to make dinner and take a Xanax and drink a wine. So it turned into a situation in which that right there, I know spiritually and also just uh, logically that will block a lot of things that can come through uh, with your, you know, with your divine gifts and the way that you're able to perceive. So I was dumbing down that, pushing it away. And then I got completely sober. I started sobriety after a huge, you know, starting healing elements. However, I did not make it complete um, until 2018. So 2018, I got sober and really have, I think, accelerated and been able to study and grieve and do shadow work and realize that there's trauma and that, you know, um, that healthy way of coping is the way to go. And so, you know, after that, it completely, you know, changed my life in that way um, because it brought out something in me that, you know, I didn't think could occur. I, I was humble enough and I accepted people's addictions or things like that, but I never thought that I would affect people negatively in the way that I did and my family, et cetera, myself. And I think that I, you know, you can't go back. No, what a shoulda, coulda, like I tell all my private clients, but, you know, I did waste a lot of years um, that I could have been healing myself and healing others and taking classes. And instead of, you know, just completely ignoring all of that, because now I just love the gift so much and love the way that I'm able to give people messages. Um, it really, really, truly gives me more of a high than anything or more of a relaxation or contentment. You know, I found that that was what I was missing and searching for. And so it did, it changed my life. And it also, you know, again, before, you know, 2016, I would try to push it away, really dumbing it down, but it changed my life. And I was able to start to slowly use it as I formed healing elements um, in the right direction. So I would enjoy dreams and, um, you know, completely the spiritual transcendental experiences. Uh, like I speak on my YouTube channel about having a dream for 40 days, it's <laughs> 40 days and 40 nights of the, you know, entity people call Jesus Christ. And so I was, you know, able to not push that aside in getting sober. Of course, that's logical. It, um, it fell into place. So it changed my life in so many, so many ways. Um, of course, just losing somebody like that and having to see other people, most importantly, my mom, she was high school sweethearts with them best friends, cutest couple ever. It was already hard on her because the stroke, you know, and him not talking. And so the death I had to, you know, um, help her through some serious, you know, suicidal ideation points in her journey after his passing and things of that nature. So it definitely changed me. And instead of, um, I know a lot of people find it hard to look at tragedy and put it into like, you know, blessings in disguise, but I truly do. And I would not wish anybody, you know, I wouldn't wish myself to, to lose my father. However, I see how life is just beautifully divinely aligned that no matter what, even if you go through something, a hardship of that nature, that is so meaningful and tragic. And it just is really something that you'll spend the rest of your life, um, grieving or having a loss from I, I can see now in retrospect, of course, and sober the, the gifts that I've been able to carry on and his legacy. And I feel like uh, we have a better, we had a great relationship, but I feel like it's so neat once I've let go and I'm sober, I can have a better relationship with him spiritually. I really, truly do. He helps me all the time and it's just, you can feel the spirit. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. Now he passed in 2014? 2011. Okay. What is the spiritual awakening that you had in 2016? Oh my gosh. That was just immense. So 
this would be something that came on all of a sudden and I had to recognize it uh, by gathering information. And I always say to people that I speak to and connect with that think, God for now that we, I know the internet is used for ill purposes sometimes, but thank God I had the search when I was at work Googling, um, what is this? Of course, the numbers started to show up 1111 precognitive dreams of a very deep, meaningful message. I mean, so much more infiltration of everything going through the woods, just like Eckhart Tolle says, I mean, feeling the universe in a very different way. And it wasn't superficial. I was not a superficial person, but you know, I, I posted the selfies all the time and I did that kind of thing that I, people would say, Oh, you know, you like yourself a lot or whatnot. And I would say, no, 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 I'm just a free, happy person. But in this moment, you know, I'm still myself. I still like to whatever, do the makeup or whatnot. And, but I don't truly, um, honestly care about petty, the petty gossip. I had to withdraw from so much and it just all encompassing what people talk about of a spiritual awakening was happening to me all at once. So thank God for the internet, for me to Google and watch other people's testimonials and know that this is something profound. And it, it, you know, you're withdrawing away from things that maybe affect you negatively. You're finding out what shadow work is. You're, you know, I was absolutely saturated with um, thoughts that were of the helping nature of helping people of the world of myself and before it was not like that. It was, uh, oh, when is Game of Thrones on? And how about you want to go out to lunch to my coworker? And is my kid, you know, doing good in the play? It, it was beautiful because I love that part of me. And that is still part of me. But I started to get an overall, you know, obsession with things of the, you know, the nature that I always have had, maybe like saving the whales, things like that. But it was coming on so profoundly strong. And so, you know, I checked into, I'm very, very spiritual. I'm a Pisces, but I have, I mean, astrology is not everything, but I have a very analytical type chart of Capricorn moon. And I just feel like I fought that right there too, not with uh, unhealthy coping, but I went to my doctor of 22 years. I had him send me to a therapist. I had them do like, I'm serious, like an MRI. I wanted to know, Hey, am I, am I losing it because of this grief process? And I went sober, you know, what's happening. And so no, I got checked out and they're like, the only thing you have is like, you know, you're doing great, your anxiety disorder, because I've always been very excitable. Um, and so, you know, controlling that pretty well now, I would say for sure, and giving advice to others on how to do that. But, you know, that it, that whole experience was just suddenly, like there was no spark. I didn't go to pray at a monastery or anything like that. It just came on, but it came on strong and it was, a, it was obvious. <laughs> I believe earlier you said that you saw Jesus in a dream every day for like 30 or 40 days. Yes, that that I just recently decided to open up about on my channel because I know not only my relatives, my different sides of my family that may or may not advocate for what I do as a living right now. Um, it could be controversial because of the things that he uh, told me. So we'll start by saying um, when I... First, this was 2016, part of that big spiritual accelerated awakening. So I was dumbfounded because I had the first day, it was 40 days in a row. The first day I had the dream, it was so crystal clear, kind of like some of your guests talk about with the near-death experience. It was very much different than a dream. And it was longer and I could remember every single part of it, which is definitely not something I've done before or after. Every single fragmented part and what he said. And so... Basically, it, it took me 
you know, to, to figure out what was going on um, a couple of days. So I would have a dream and I've never had this happen before either, before or after it continued, almost like you're reading a book and you just pick up from where you left off. So it stunned me. That was part of some of the things that were coming and happening to me that just shocked me. Um, so um, it was beautiful energy. I definitely cannot describe the overall love truly. And it was so overpowering. Um, it was just apparent to me. It was also ironically communicated telepathically in the dream. There is no sound, but I am exchanging messages and getting messages of overall um, love. And the message was that I alluded to maybe a little controversial is that one of the first things he showed me is he goes, and it's real funny he, to me, um, the relationship I have and have had with him. It's like, he's jovial. He's your partner, really funny, really energetic. And, and maybe that's because he's relating, maybe consciousness is relating to you what you are like, but it was just something of comfortability of love. And he was saying, you know what, girl, <laughs> like in that way, but telepathically in this energetically um, exclusively kind of understanding and a way of, of equality almost as if like you're in good company, you, I will nurture you no matter what you do, that kind of thing. And so he was like, you know what, girl, you're right. Here are all my friends. And so he showed people that looked to me without studying it at that time, like a Buddha. He showed me people who look like a gentleman with the, you know, like, a, um, a, um, turban um he showed me people that looked like i would assume um now looking back at it hindu gods it's just he was basically showing me many many things throughout i mean so many things throughout the 40 days that were you know a message of acceptance and that everybody this is the message everybody comes here everybody ends up with me um this is what gets controversial to my family that you do not have to know me because some people never know me. He was saying, saying you're right. Cause I used to wonder what about the children that are in the middle of nowhere and they know no religion, you know, and these children just pass. I know they go to heaven. I mean, this was way before 2011, just as a little girl growing up, my heart would tell me that these certain religious groups have to be mistaken in some way, because I felt that children in that was then I feel everybody. Now my, my truth is that everybody does go to the great beyond and, and he will be there. You know, that's, that's my belief, but he was basically, I think I needed that at that point to be confident to go on um, just because I needed to get that programming in my opinion and dogma of you have to believe a certain way. And this won't happen if ABC due to different religious, you know, um, sectors, I guess out there and not just Christianity. And so this was a beautiful, beautiful message. It was all about just, um, look, I, I, you know, all kind of cool things. We were in a, um, it looked like, like the Grand Canyon. It was odd. It was to me, I, I believe back in, he was showing me the time period in which he was alive on earth. And so we were up at the ridge of a Canyon. Um, and I just, I see it now, just like your near death experience say, as if it's crystal clear, every single fragmented part. And we were up on there, you know, on the rim of the Canyon. And that was about the first four to five days. And he's just relaying information and letting me know um, this vibe and just beautiful to me, this is how he appeared. He appeared typically kind of what he does look like in most depictions, but more of a, like a 1970s hippie or something. I don't know. It was just more down to earth. The clothes looked obviously linen that were a little bit worn. It was white rope, you know, with a rope and typical type of just uncut hair and beautiful to me. The eyes, I always say, I believe that the color 
is blue, but I do believe when I looked at his eyes, when I go back in my memory, that it wasn't so much a color because they flashed from hazel to brown. It was the way that, as they say, you, you saw the window to the soul. It was profound. I get chills when I think of the feeling I got in this dream so many days in a row and never since, you know, that was just my, that was what I was given and I appreciate that. So it was profound. There's so much more I can say, but yeah, it was amazing. Did you mention earlier that you are psychic? Yes, I have been, you know, definitely have been. I've been known as a child to tell things to my mom, my aunt, things like that, of course, that were of psychic nature. Definitely um, an example would be uh, meeting my neighbor about a year ago. So we met in the courtyard and she asked me what I do. And I told her and she says, oh, my gosh, I've been waiting for a message um, from my mom. She passed a year back. And so um, she said, if you get one, let me know. And right then, you know, I can feel, I call them downloads. Something was channeled in me and I used to not trust it and I would hold back, but that prevented people from getting the messages and me from releasing this energy. And so I told her, you know, I see the strangest thing in my mind's eye, but I see from the beauty and the beast, this glass case with a rose that is the petals are falling. She starts crying and she leads me upstairs um, to her apartment. And there is the replica of the beauty and the beast glass with the rose and her mom's name is rose hmm. so so it's like i mean that's just an example but yes i'm very psychic like um for instance during the COVID thing when the kids were home having to do the zoom school i just um and this is regular now the telepathic thing that i told you about with my dad who i i just heard it in an energetic way uh, my daughter is born near his birthday she's scorpio she's my little mini me no favorites love all three of my kids but she's the one my youngest who just truly has a uh spiritual soul tie connection where she understands me better. You know, my excitable, very um, fascinated with spirit self, right? She's more that um, of my household of five. And so she was walking by me and, you know, I had just meditated in the void and that's typically where a lot of very strong messages will come. She walked by me and I literally, I read her mind. I'm like, Deanna Marguerite, I said, are you wanting to stop eating cereal? Cause you were wondering about the fat calories and stuff in it. And that is so, I, that's, so off the topic for her. She's not even into that kind of stuff. She's very fit, whatever, you know what I mean? And she stops and she's like, yes, I was just thinking that. So um, those kind of things that will occur uh, naturally, or when I do give readings, I do um, intuitively guided card readings. I have like over 60 decks of Oracle cards. I know people sometimes think that's taboo, but I think it's just a platform to get the um, client or the person who I'm connecting with as friends, um, the messages that they can even reflect on some of the messages that are great within the cards. So yes, I use that gift as well to, you know, do things for private readings. And I do believe that you, um, you do, I practice um, vibrational medicine. I do believe you have to tune into the same space as being uh, precognitive or, you know, having ESP psychically aware um, when I do the healing, but I think it's a different ball game. I think that anybody could um, learn to do what I think is the most blessed holistic gift is to take energy from, you know, the air, so to speak, or whatnot, from the area around you, from the, you know, the field and transfer it into yourself or someone else. So I would consider myself psychic. Yeah. Do you think a lot of people have psychic abilities and they don't understand them and they wind up getting on alcohol or drugs or medication? A hundred percent. And that's something that I want to speak more about. I feel that, of course, there are diagnoses that I'm going to respect, but I feel that, yes, that is so prevalent that people um, do not understand and may think that they're out of the norm and they go seeking something to cure what is actually a divine gift. Um, my brother-in-law, there are people who 
you know, have things diagnosed like bipolar or a mental health condition. And again, I, I respect any diagnosis. However, I do think that people like Mary Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's wife, where they wanted to put her up into an insane asylum because she was mourning her son and said she saw spirits. Now, looking back, there are so many people over history that I think truly, just as you eloquently said, are looking for the ability to mask these gifts because they think it's either, you know, um, taboo or they don't understand it. As you said, they don't understand it or they have been, you know, to be honest with you, told by either the, you know, society around them, their community or a religion that this is impossible and that something's wrong with them. So I find it to be so, so beneficial. And I really do take time to thank God every day that it is something that we're not persecuted and killed for. Because I mean, even Bruno was burned on the stake for talking about the earth rotating, you know, around the sun. And so absolutely, I feel as if that is so huge. And I'm glad to see more and more people kind of stepping out and saying, hey, into the spiritual community and the internet. Again, I'll give a plug to the internet for giving these um, people, including myself, a, a platform and a space to be validated and to find out that, yeah, okay, maybe this inner turmoil and stress was not just related to something medically. Maybe it is all intertwined, medical, spiritual, and you know, your brain, your physical, everything I think will affect the other, of course. Right. And so I think, of course, if we're suppressing as I did, you're not always going to, you're not going to be like me, but you may turn to pharmaceuticals or going to doctor after doctor when truly there may be a spiritual mentor out there who could not only validate what you're experiencing, give you the tools and you can see it in real time. You can be healed by, you know, the beautiful um, bowls. You can he sound healing. You can be um, changed. I think more than I ever was helped with Xanax with meditation. It's amazing. Like the transcendental um, experiences can be really healing. Um, so I do believe that a hundred percent. Did you ever have any further contact with your father after he passed? Not so much an after death contact where you will see the apparition. No, I never had that. However, once I, again, got to um, the point where I was coping healthy without substance to dumb it down. And I was able to talk to mentors, spiritual mentors, Dolores, I worked with her for a year um, that could coach me into relaxing into a state to receive boy, does it just multiply every day? I literally, um, he's a guardian angel. I mean, you can label it whatever you want. One of my spirit guides, whatever you would like to say, he's there with me anytime that I call upon him, even times where I'm just watching the football game and there, you know, his presence will energetically imprint, I call it onto my heart space. And I absolutely, it's the intent that I've now, you know, learned to work with. Um, when I channel, ask my spirit guide, uh, guides, uh, plural, things, you know, if I tell my dad and I use my dad kind of for very important things, maybe, you know, maybe something even that I'm wanting to get a job or something of that nature, I will send out the intent to the spirit and definitely will get his energy just like that time, you know, the telepathic exchange, you know, I will get the answer and he is a hundred percent spirit to me, not over someone's predictions. I don't really do predictive astrology or readings. I think for the insight and the morals and the, you know, intuitively guided compass that is leading you to where you need to be, 100% right. My dad's spirit and advice and the spirit guides. Things even that I didn't know because, you know, life is crazy. So when the kids, you know, um, and I, my husband got the COVID in September, my daughter, she was pretty bad, near fatal. She went to the hospital and had to get the little antibody, like Regeneron thing. She's 23. 
had, um, you know, definite, the only child that ever had um, childhood asthma. So she was afflicted so bad. And at one point, you know, I'm doing the praying and the meditating and I'm definitely using my healing over Alyssa, my daughter. Um, I thought about it. I'm like, oh, I'm so worked up into this. Why don't I deliberately send out intent, you know, for my father's comfort and advice. And as soon as I did that, I heard loud as day, the message that ended up, it's bad, but she'll be okay. So that very day she asked me, which she is terrified of hospitals, mom, it's bad. She said that that word, you know, it's bad. I need to go to the hospital. So she went in there and thank God she came out and recovered with, again, the the antibody. But that kind of thing, if that's a very light scenario. There's other things that have to do with, um, you know, uh, other people passing. For instance, we lost my father-in-law just less than like six months ago. And so I was able to know something was coming because his presence was constantly, I see like a vision in my mind's eye, but it'll be up to a specific side. So I saw my father who's passed and also who is not related to this person, uh, my husband's grandmother. So, you know, I I thought, oh, and the presence was just kind of stuck and I wish I could explain it more eloquently. It's tough when you try to transfer things into like from light language into English, I guess I could say. But um, so I knew something was coming. So yes, his presence is always contacting me because that was a deliberate, that was his intent to come and stay there to let me know something's coming. So I even asked, you know, my family after a while, it was about a week and a half, maybe two weeks before um, this incident went down. So I even said, you know, guys, I don't know. I think maybe there's someone going to pass. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's my grandma. I'm not too sure. And so lo and behold on that day, you know, I was getting a lot of messages, be strong, be there for them, that, kind of thing for my dad. And so uh, my father-in-law had a stroke and he has, uh, you know, he had a separate second family. So he had daughters who were very young, or I would consider, you know, under 25, one was 18. And so she was calling because it was an emergency situation. He had a stroke. And so I was able to be in a, in a small way, more prepared, you know, for that kind of thing. And so that kind of communication, absolutely never seen him in, you know, beside like a vision. I've never seen him here tangibly like a spirit. Have you had any other paranormal or supernatural experiences? Yes. And I thought about, um, I'm like, Ooh, whether it's off the, um, you know, podcast or not, I wanted to tell you about this. I consider if you do the, the UFO experience that I had to be one of the most, um, life changing and perspective changing experiences that I've ever had in it. I guess I'm slow. It takes me a long time to work these things out. Um, but I and three other, I'm sorry, I have to cough. It's okay. <laughs> sorry about that. No problem. So when I was 19, which was a long time ago in the late nineties, uh, I lived in, I still do in the Bay area, which is near San Francisco, California on the coast. And so we were kind of citified city girls and my best friend and I, at the time, Jessica was her name. We decided to go into the middle of, you know, Hicktown, which was uh, Colorado where my aunt had lived. It's a little tiny town called Mancos, M-A-N-C-O-S, and there's no airports near there. So basically, they had to drive from Mancos, Colorado, my aunt and my uncle, to the Salt Lake City Airport to pick us up. And again, we were certified. We've been everywhere in California. You know, we were um, after high school. This was after high school. So we were going to go there in the middle of nowhere, see a couple of really neat sites like the Anasazi Indian cliff dwellings. And I'm really always been into history. So I knew there was things like Indian shards of clay pottery just in their backyard, it's that remote. So we were going to go there and maybe work at the local store. I mean, I do not know how. I think I was guided. I really, truly do think I was guided to this experience because I look back and I say, 
what? You know, I was, <laughs> I was enjoying my life in going to, you know, rave parties and all kinds of things in the city. And to leave that just to want to go to something that is um, of that nature, I look back and I kind of question and think now, of course, that I was led there. So, you know, my girlfriend and I, we flew into Salt Lake City and it was a quite a long drive, I think, four hours to get from where they were picking us up from and make us where they live to the Salt Lake City airport. So when they picked us up, the sun was going down. So this was at nighttime. And we were still in, I believe, Utah. And now the strangest thing is my uncle. I saw him. Uh, he's going through, bless his heart. He's going through some medical issues, cancer. But we were talking about it, kind of not thinking it was going to be our last time. But what if, you know, so we went on vacation and we're talking about it just about a year ago. And he's the one that was witness to it. It was my aunt in the passenger seat, my uncle driving, uh, my girlfriend, Jessica, to the right. And, you know, he told me where we happened to see this UFO, which was mountain size, literally, is right next to, and I haven't watched but one episode, this Skinwalker Ranch TV show, like has this uh, area in, in there. And so if you look on the map and you know that show, that's that's where he let me know. He's like, do you believe this? You know, where we saw, that is right there. And so we are still to this day fascinated. I've done a lot more digging into it and I can go into that, but we were driving and all of our reactions were terrified. I was 19. My girlfriend was 19. I'm more of a believer than any of these people in the car. Maybe my uncle a little bit. My aunt, skeptic. This one, my best friend is like, nothing exists that is not tangible. <laughs> she she probably is a physicist right now. You know, it was very odd and, and cool and validating to me that we had four different perspectives and this is what happened. I mean, just all of a sudden we're driving. There's a field to our right and a mountain like range in the distance and over the top of the mountain which was as big as i always say if you look at a football coliseum like we have candlestick park that used to be out here that's what i compared it to at the time humongous this completely um oval or you know just a saucer a disc that was immense and i thought of course dramatic i thought okay the world's ending Nobody has ever on earth seen this thing because if so, they would call the army and call the, you know what I mean? And so I, everybody starts to do their own reaction. Um, my uncle is asking all of us and stepping on the gas pedal. Do you see that? Do you effing see that? You know, he's like um, barely cusses, but he's going like that. My aunt is hysterical right off the bat. She is mind blown and she's rolling down the window in which I was, um, uh, I was so scared that I was scared quiet, almost when you're a little kid and you don't want to look out the covers in the dark or something. I could not speak. All I did is grab Jessica's leg thigh and just dig in and she did the same. And so we were kind of the same thing in the backseat. And so my aunt, and when we got, you know, to this gas station, we were so freaked out after we got to this gas station, everybody's saying, why did you roll down the window? But it's a good thing she did because I have observations because of that. So she rolls down the window crying so much and, and screaming and you know, we're going faster. And this experience was at least, at least five whole minutes where, you know, I, I mean, all of us said to each other, we thought we were going to die because this huge spaceship basically was obviously showing itself to us because it was, it sounds crazy, but it was teleporting. It wasn't zipping here. It was like showing itself to us way far away at the mountain range. And then right up next to our car, not over top of it, but right here in the field, it was just ginormous where we couldn't even see any background of the field anymore because there it was in a hair of a half of a second, right? And so the other thing is it had no noise whatsoever. This enormous thing, because she had the window down as close or as far away, no noise whatsoever, no windows, no doors, 
no landing gear. It was smooth as if I, I describe it to be stone in between stone and metal is what it looked like when it would come up close. So polished, but not shiny. And it also had something that to this day, I don't know if they are entities itself or if they are little mini vehicles, but on the top, it was not attached, but they were three extremely bright white lights and they first formed a triangle, one here, one here, and one here. And to illuminate, that is how the ship was illuminated to us. It would do that up top. And the reason why we knew it was not attached to the ship is because amazingly, they would come different directions. So the little spaceship or the huge spaceship would be here. And the three, very smaller than the ship, but very bright, very bright. And we all observed that it was so odd that it was so bright, but we could look into it without um, anything bothering us, without that little light that's like here, you know, like that stays into your vision where you look around and you have a like a flash. It wasn't like that. It was very actually easy to look at this, but it was the brightest light I think I've ever seen you know, to this day. And so it would, you know, so to speak, come away from the large vehicle. And it was amazingly displaying what now I believe are geometrical type of like a mandala, it would look like, or a geometric, pretty kind of prism. It would do these light shows. I mean, it was amazing. It would do a light show that you see those kind of uh, fancy fireworks or things like that, that are laser generated it, you know, but it was quicker, faster, um, interesting because you could tell it was kind of the tracers I believe like the three of them looked like they were working together <laughs> to make this shape so that is why we all believed you know that it was deliberately trying to show itself to us because you know it's just staying there patiently and having the lights do the show and I mean it just sounds like madness I know but I hope and I think that definitely some of the people who listen to this and yourself will believe it because it just was profound and so that whole experience um, lasted, like I said, quite a long time. At least it wasn't a blip or something way far away that we had to question. I mean, this changed our all four of our lives, you know, in different ways. <laughs> like you said, coping, you know, my aunt didn't cope so well and she blames that on her addiction. But, it, you know, different strokes for different folks and I pray. But, um, you know, after that happened, and I should tell you the, you know, the the confirmation that this was, it could be, I guess, from you know, this world, but the confirmation that it is either from this world and we have amazing capabilities that we don't tell anybody about, the government does, um, you make the decision, but it definitely shot, it shot up into space uh, separately. The big ship left and went real, I mean, we could see it as high as it's going um, quickly. So it didn't kind of teleport off of here and go up there. That was interesting. It flew maybe to show us and the three lights, whatever they were separately flew up into the night sky. So that was that. And the funniest thing is there was a big rig truck behind us. And my uncle's already freaked out, you know, going, I don't know how many mile per hour because we were scared. We wanted to get to a gas station because we were convinced that we would call the army or the police because we had just seen, really seen, you know, that's what you think when you see these things that are real and it's so big. We really thought, okay, call the police. That's what we told the gas station lady. So the big rig truck from behind us passed us on a, you know, it's a two lane highway. And he obviously was scared. And my uncle was honking for him like, Hey, <laughs> we have to talk. We have to talk, sir. You know, and he just went right around us as fast as ever. And we were hoping he would be at the gas station because they're like, you know, these desolate highway roads and sure enough, no, he wasn't. So we pulled over and it was like a movie. The girl was like a hick and she's chewing her gum. And we're like, you know, I'm frantically explaining. We're like, no, you don't understand. Please call the police. There was, you know, a mountain size and she's all Honey, we hear that every day. <laughs>
And I'm like, what? I'm like, she's all, I've lived here my whole life. I've never seen one. That's what she said. But she said, constantly people like you from California come up here. And yeah. You, and I said, what do you mean? Like right up close and personal. So she said, yes, there is a military base. And I think what you guys are seeing is um, test vehicles. And I said, well, I mean, again, if I didn't know what I know now with getting regressive therapy and seeing what I apparently saw, I met these beings on the inside, I would go for it. Cause for years, for 20 years before I got regressive therapy, I really wanted to believe that, that for some reason, you know, that induced fear in me for some reason that it could be extraterrestrials, even though I believed in that, I totally believe that there's, you know, extraterrestrial biological beings, of course, that's just my belief. And so, you know, she's like, well, maybe the military has, you know, so we just chatted to this lady, totally shocked. We were all sober. We just got some coffee and we traveled back in the other anomaly beside all that um, is odd. A lot of people say that they um, miss time. For instance, they will arrive and have like three hours gone by and it seems like five. Well, ours was the opposite. And my uncle to this day is the most freaked out because he was a, a freight border uh, truck driver. So he is very calculated with time and gas and miles per hour. So when we arrived at the house, we thought that the clocks were wrong because it said that we technically only took like whatever, an hour and a half to get from the airport to the house when it was at least like a four hour drive. So we called popcorn, that old like thing you used to call to find out the time. All of us shocked, you know, calling the popcorn, realizing no, our tickets on our plane flight said we just arrived at this specific time and there's no possible way to get from the airport to that city in that amount of short time. So. I guess we gain time or they put us back, <laughs> they put us back on a wrong, you know, hour uh, is what I assume because that was real. And yeah, then later, you know, I don't know if you want to hear about that part, but later, I'm so glad I did is I got, you know, after the spiritual awakening, I got professional regress therapy just for missing memories I could have on that night. Cause I had a hunch, you know, and it was profound. It wasn't like many, I haven't really heard any story like this. They were not the typical grays. They were very tall, like 10 to 12 feet beautiful, what I call looks like angels as it, it gave me a, a, a feeling of um, recognition when I was with them. Not so much like I was placed here. I believe that we've all incarnated to different, you know, dimensions and even planets and galaxies. And so I don't know what the correlation I'm still diving into that, but I do know that the regressive therapy experience was very real. And I got freaked out the first time I had to go to her three times because the first time, even though it was 2017, I had healing elements. Uh, I couldn't believe it that the regressive memory recall was so real. And so when I came into this circular room and I sat down and I seen these three beautiful um, bluish, but trans like almost, almost see-through, but not really, but kind of just glowing this beautiful light and tall and loving. And so it was not an experience that I had probably thought in the past um, abduction would be. It was not medical. It was not um, invasive. It was telepathic communication, which intrigued me because that is something that I found as of course linked with my spiritual experience. So it was telepathic. It was loving. And it was, you know, I'll just say it. It is the truth. Uh, just as most people that I've kind of watched testimonials will say, they let me know you're doing good. We love you. You have a mission. So they told me I have a mission. And the interesting thing is when the third regressive therapy where she had me look left and right to see if anyone was there if my aunt and uncle and jessica was there they were but it looked like they were catatonic there's my aunt and uncle kind of with a little grin on their face like they weren't hurt they weren't they were like this maybe if they they got some sort of you know um don't know like it looked like they were in a very deep meditative state and not 
present, not listening to, or, you know, uh, part of the telepathic exchange, which is odd. And so, yes, my friend and my two relatives um, in that vision and that memory recall were not a participant in, in the exchange. So who knows what, if they ever got regressive therapy, what their deal was. I've asked all, all, well, I've asked two of them, two out of the three, the other third, my ex-best friend, she does not, she's one of those people, doesn't want after that night and me calling, crying to my dad at 19 years old to fly us back right away. And that's what he did. And she had to borrow because she was like on her own. She had to borrow from my dad a plane ticket to get us back. That's how freaked out we were. So, I mean, she talked to me about it after that night and all the way up until I think it took like three days for us to turn around and get the out of there. Wow. So she, yeah, she talked about it, but not since. All right, you've mentioned this a couple of times. Can you tell us what Healing Elements is? Yes, Healing Elements is just me. It is what I like to do. And so I don't kind of pin it down to one specific modality. I do card readings. So I do Oracle card readings. I do vibrational medicine. I did get certificated in Reiki, but I feel that there is a lot of benefit and shamanic and other type of healing with energy that is transferred from, you know, the field around you into somebody else and, and yourself helped me a lot. So I try to help people. I also um, you know, in the last couple, two, three years have been really getting into different, you know, um, ancient wisdom, like spirit animals. I'm fascinated about that, fascinated, obviously, about near-death experiences and that transcendental moment that gets someone to a point, you know, so I help people that are experiencing that um, by giving them readings and, you know, being a conduit for spirit and also my own advice going into it, letting them know that they're not crazy, first of all, and that if they are worried, if they're depressed, if they're anxious, it's not anything that is new and it's not something to be stigmatized. So I try to get rid of the stigma. Also, what you said, I think is part of my healing journey. Um, you know, not being a decision maker for people, but if they are wondering, curious, if there's something wrong with them, or if they, you know, um, just don't understand certain experiences, then I will explain to them, uh, from kind of like, um, just a, a fellow soul traveler, you know what I mean? Just being there to not dictate, but to be a conduit and to help heal and soothe what woes people because that has always been my nature but now i think that i've had the you know the skills and i built myself worth enough to know that it's 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 valid that people will appreciate it so that's that's what i do i also have um of course platform on youtube so i you know think that for anybody who can't pay for a reading i put out different um type of testimonials like about the ufo and the, the dream of jesus and then of course spirit animals seem to be really popular Lately, um, videos about information um, about anything spiritual um, so that people can, you know, enjoy it. And it lets me vent. So I do that and on Instagram. So that's what Healing Elements is all about. Is your YouTube channel called Healing Elements? It is. I got that URL. Thank goodness. So it's, um, you know, dot YouTube dot com slash Healing Elements. So you guys can look me up on there. But I'm really proud of it. It makes me happy. It's a platform that I enjoy connecting with people. If people want to reach out to you and ask you questions or chit chat, how should they do that if you're open to it? Very open to it. I love communicating. I hope I haven't talked <laughs> too much uh, in this interview. I just really do uh, love the correspondence. So email, um, you can put comments, of course, contact me through comments on YouTube, but I would love to hear from anybody. It is my email address is Pisces, P-I-S-C-E-S, healingelements at gmail.com. So Pisces at gmail.com. I also am on Instagram if anyone does that. I don't know how long I'm going to go on with that. I figured, you know, my daughter said it was just a good way in 2017 to connect with other people. Um, but if they like, it's I'm still on there. It's Healing Elements 
1111. So it's at Healing Elements 1111. You can uh, direct message me there. Um, yeah, I enjoy any kind of correspondence. I'm always, you know, just thrilled and, and surprised at what I learn from each different individual. And yeah, I'll just plug and say thank you once again. I was compelled and called to reach out to over the last two years. I've been watching, I think it's been that long, uh, to um, beautiful guests and I've connected with them on different points that I find, um, you know, just really similar. Um, just a guest a couple of days ago, Megan Leone, uh, was similar to me because I used to be for 10 years an instructional aid for special needs. And I have witnessed and not been able to talk to anybody about the connectivity between spirit and special needs. And also Brittany Workman Hart Hartman. She was amazing um, guest of yours and we've been friends and I have her onto my channel for like Brittany and Shani sipping tea. So it's been a pleasure to like really to see you in such a, a beautiful place in which you're giving people a voice to be diverse too with their stories like you have anywhere from christians that are you know definitely conservative to people who say they have babies with you know aliens so i just i appreciate that it's like a beautiful thing so thank you very much for that thank you shani before we finish up can you leave us with one last positive message yes uh you know what everyone that has had this beautiful divine experience says is true. Love is the answer. Love is the soothing balm for so much. And I know that it is tough to love when we are hurt. It's tough to love when we are grieving, but the essence of love is such an innate healer and it allows us to do so much more for ourselves and those around us. So in, you know, if you need any love, not um, going to charge you, you just please um, reach out to me and I will remind you about things that even though our world might be going crazy or if that's your perception, there is love out there. I am sending you love through this voice right now, right here to Jeff, your family. I'm sending everybody love and love is the answer. Simple, but true. Thanks for that message, Shani. And thank you for being my guest today. I appreciate you and I wish you the best. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much, Jeff. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.